It's a little bit of history for us. We are instead of just doing two people, we're bringing in our ace in the hole, our number three, uh, the big man on campus. Guy Limbeck is joining me and Jason Feldman today to break down the Vikings and the Packers. And boy, what an ugly game that was on Sunday! It was great to have football back. It was super fun to have red zone on with all the touchdowns coming in. But man, the Vikings put a huge damper on the day with an absolute turd fest. That that was really bad. And Jason, you're up there, so we'll start with you. What was it like to walk into an empty U.S. Bank Stadium and watch a game without any emotion, without any of those, any of those huge crowd noises that are getting into it? Yeah, I think we all expected, you know, that that it was going to be odd and it was going to be different and whatever adjective you want to use, bizarre. Um, you know, when you pull into downtown Minneapolis at 9.30 in the morning on the uh, Vikings-Packers game day. You know, you expect tailgaters. You expect uh, people who have already been at it for three or four or five hours. Um, you expect the, the good-natured and sometimes not-so-good-natured yelling matches between fans on both sides. So that was bizarre in itself to, to walk through an empty downtown and drive through an empty downtown and then you go into the stadium and it didn't really, didn't really strike me until it was time to do player introductions. And you, as guy knows, you go in there, you're used to an hour of just guys out on the field, warming up before fans start coming in. And then it's introductions, the loud music, the smoke, the Viking ship. And there was almost none of that yesterday. All of a sudden they roll the Viking ship out with the smoke and the, the music. And the music wasn't even loud yesterday because of the NFL rules on, on noise now this year. So you could barely hear what was going on. And, you know, to watch, uh, I think Riley Reef was the first player introduced. And you watch him run out of the tunnel, and there's absolutely no reaction. He even kind of looked around to both sides like, what's going on here? So it was just, uh, it was a strange atmosphere from the start. Um, but, you know, like Harrison Smith said after the game, that's one of the things where you have to, you have to make your own emotion. And Adam Thielen said it too. You have to make big plays to keep your sideline pumped up. And obviously the Packers did way more of that than the Vikings. Yeah, um, I thought it was interesting because, you know, when you watch on TV, you have that pumped-in crowd noise, and they weren't very good at it yet. You're still kind of seeing some of the people behind the scenes learn on on when to do it. There were times where it was like the crowd was getting really fired up for nothing happening on the field. But right. what was it like to be in there and have a huge play happen and have nothing happen? You know, that no big noise and no energy there. Could you could you sense it? Yeah, and I think... You know, like when the when the ball was going away from the press box towards the other end of the field, that's when it got really strange because you're used to if a, if it's going to be a big play, you're used to hearing the crowd kind of build up. And Aaron Rodgers said the same things too. There are times when you know, as a quarterback, maybe you throw a pass and you can't tell what's happening, but you use the crowd noise to judge the reaction. And um, there was none of that yesterday, and so at times it was it was hard to figure out exactly what was going on. Um, but at the same time, like those players said, you know, you have to, in an environment like that, you have to make your own energy and you have to make your own excitement. The Vikings weren't very good at that yesterday. Well, uh, final yeah. score, uh, yeah. Green Bay 43, uh, the Vikings 34. And a couple numbers for you. Uh, Mike Zimmer has never allowed 43 points in his 102 games with the Vikings. 
and it was the most that a Zimmer-led defense had allowed since 2012. It's it's just it was an absolute disaster. And guy, when we were on when we were on the pod on Thursday, we talked about the two positions of concern for us were cornerback and offensive line. And the offensive line wasn't very good, and the young cornerback crew was really really exposed. Which which position group disappointed you more, and why? I was I think I was more surprised. I think we all kind of knew the offensive line had those issues coming in. We were especially concerned about guards, a couple of guard play, uh, guards, F-line, and Dozier of the uh, offensive guys rated yesterday. Those were two of the Vikings' three lowest offensive graded positions. So, you know, not a huge surprise, obviously disappointing. So that, that was a little more typical of what we thought might happen, at least what I thought might happen. So I was a little more disappointed with the – cornerback play um you, you talk about that noise factor i think that you know hurt the vikings more than the packers because this is a vikings home game if they would have had that crowd it would have you know not it would have energized those players somewhat but it all it would also made packers a lot you know rogers it made him a lot tougher to make his calls in the line of scrimmage there's always noise especially on those third down plays you saw the game he still had to call i think five timeouts five of their six packer timeouts they had to use in non-timeout situations when they just, you know, weren't getting up there and getting the plays on time. So that was with no noise. And so you can just imagine they would have had that much more of a factor built in with that noise, which wasn't there. But, uh, you know, to answer your question, I was more surprised at the lack of solid cornerback play. It's, it's weird because, like, we know Devontae Adams is good. And you know what he's going to do. And he's probably, you know, he's up there top two or top three wide receiver in football compared to who you talk to. But the the fact that Lazard and Marquise Valdez-Scantling is able to do what they were able to do. I mean, Lazard finishes with four catches for 63 yards. He also added a, a nice 19-yard run on an end around. And Valdez-Scantling is a guy that, you know, Packer Nation hates and has been really, really underwhelming during his time there. But he has four catches for 96 yards and a touchdown too. Like, that just feels like... Jason, that just feels like it's just unacceptable defensive play there to let those two guys kill you in a situation where you know Adams is good. Maybe you concede, yeah, you know, Adams is probably going to get his 110 receiving yards, but to have those other two guys kill you, that was the difference in the game. Yeah, and, you know, Aaron Rodgers kept going back to Valdez Scantling, too, even after he dropped a couple passes. Another one that probably could have gone for a touchdown or at least a big play. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that was the Vikings were just, they were throwing everything at the Packers yesterday that they could think of. They were you know, changing personnel almost every play. Sometimes it looked like a, a line change in hockey where they were sending five or six new guys onto the field. Um, they had Holton Hill on Adams. They put Mike Hughes on Devontae Adams. They, they put Cam Dancer on him for a little while. They were, you know, they were trying everything they could possibly think of. They were running, uh, you know, Defensive ends and tackles out. There were times where they had um, Ngakwe and Adenabo and Jalen Johnson. They had a whole bunch of defensive ends in the game across the line. There were times when they went big. Excuse me, the defensive line. There were times when they went big across the defensive line. Nothing was working. Um, so yeah, you know, there's a lot of it to put on the corners. But the Vikings weren't get, getting much much of a pass rush either. When you have a young secondary, you have to get after the quarterback. They didn't do it. Yeah, Isaac, like, you know, when you touched on what you thought was more disappointing between the offensive line and the cornerbacks, you know, and we talked, we, we talked about that. But I thought the biggest surprise for me was just the lack of pressure at all by the defensive line. I mean, Rogers, some of those times he had like five, seven seconds back there to throw. Uh, it, you know, if this would have been one of those games played in mud, 
he would not hardly hardly have a spot on his uniform. So that was very disappointing for lack of pass rush. Well, and it was also interesting too because entering that game with the Pack- Packers having multiple injuries on that offensive line, including their starting right tackles out, you thought, okay, that's a this is a time to shine. Like, what do you like, Jason? You you're there, you see it. Like, what was the problem there? Is it a situation where obviously not having Hunter's huge? He's probably the best player for this defense, and Gakwe's still kind of working his way back. But that that's no excuse for a team that has solid defensive linemen to not get any pressure. I mean, I think I think they only hit uh, Rodgers twice throughout the entire game. That that's just unacceptable. Yeah, it doesn't even feel like they got to him twice. I'd have to rack my memory really hard to to figure out when they actually got to him. Um, but yeah, I don't know what the problem was. I mean, there were times where they would try to bring pressure with the linebackers too, or bring a defensive back off the end to mix it up. But you know, I guess some of the credit has to go to Green Bay's offensive line. <laughs> you talk about that. I mean, the Packers lost two key players along that line at different points during the game, and the Vikings could not take advantage of it. You know, when you lose a starting offensive lineman, you think, all right, maybe the Vikings will start going at him there and, and can get some pressure that way. But again, it didn't matter. I, I don't know. I wish I knew what the problem was. Um, I'm sure, you know, Mike Zimmer and his coaches are probably didn't sleep a lot last night trying to figure out that exact same thing. Um, I guess it just comes down to the players getting better. And Zimmer was really short, and he wasn't terse, but you could tell he wasn't wasn't very happy at all in the press conference after the game yesterday. And he repeated the same thing about a dozen times. He said, "We just we just have to get better." Um, you know, you can understand it with the young guys in the secondary, but those guys they have up front are veteran players. They've been around the league long enough to know that that they have to go out there and make plays, and and uh, you know especially with those young guys back behind them, they have to be able to get pressure with the front four. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they're going to do it. Um, you know, Zimmer's been around this game long enough, and, and he's been a, a defensive mind long enough that maybe he can figure something out, and, and this won't linger into you know, this coming Sunday and, and the following weeks. But boy, they, they, they've got to get better in a hurry and uh, you know, figure out a way to do that. What, what changes, Guy, would you want them to make? I think, you know, going back to that, I, I think uh, I saw a stat. That was the first time in a decade that they had not sacked Aaron Rodgers in a game. And they're paying him twice a year. So, you know, that's a 20-game span. First time they didn't sack him. Um, yeah, I know Zimmer doesn't like to blitz any more than he has to. And he can get pressure on the front with the front four and with young cornerbacks. You don't really want to do that a lot either. But if they cannot get pressure with those four-man fronts, they're just going to have to maybe take a little more chances risk-wise and uh and try to blitz I, you know i think you know uh, you got hunter out at least three weeks here i think that's gonna be a big factor if he can come back right away if he's only if he's out longer than that it could be a real big issue uh you know you talked about uh in godway if he's you know he's only been at the team a couple of weeks so i think maybe he's going to be get him a little more comfortable um, and and the Packers do have a pretty good offensive line. The left tackle is excellent. So, uh, I, you know, first game, I think it's going to get better overall. And uh, But I don't think they want to have to blitz any more than they want to, but I think they might want to blitz more than they – they might have to blitz more than they would like to at some point. Yeah, that's like one of those things that it's like it's week one, so – Things aren't as bad as they seem to be. And, you know, maybe if the Vikings had come out and beat them 50 to 10, things wouldn't be as good as they also seem to be, too. So you have a time to, to come back here. I think blitzing a little bit more is interesting. 
I, I don't know if I'm fully on board with that next week against a, a good offensive line in the Colt, that the Colts have. Like, that could set you up to get burned a little bit down the field. But you do know that Phillip Rivers is one of those guys that he's going to put the ball in harm's way. That's where I go, okay, just drop back, play coverage, let him throw the ball in the harm's way, and see what you can do. You know what I mean? And, and the Viking, I mean, if you look at Phillip Rivers' body of work, you think, oh, my gosh, he's a great quarterback. But if you just watch Philip uh, Rivers play against the Vikings, you think, "Man, this guy is awful." The Vikings have just kind of dominated him, and you know they don't play him that often. But when they have, the last couple times they have really kicked his butt. I think the last game, I think he played the last year, he might have thrown two or three interceptions, and he is just not good against the Vikings' pass rush and the, the defense at all. And he's one of those guys that's not very mobile. He can't get outside. He's not going to make big plays rolling to the outside like Aaron Rodgers can do. So that's going to be a much easier test in terms of uh, quarterback mobility as far as what the Vikings can be able to do. And, and we know Phillip Rivers is a, is a good quarterback, but he's also not Aaron Rodgers. And as much as, you know, the Vikings secondary are not good, the pass rush was not good yesterday, Aaron Rodgers has to get some credit, too, for some of those throws he made because he was dropping the ball into some spots that, you know, there was one that Cam Dantzler had great coverage on, and, and Rodgers dropped it right into just the, the perfect position. Um, so, you know, he has to get some of that credit, too. He was just he, – he was on his game yesterday. We've seen that happen before. You know how good he can be when he's at his best. And he definitely seemed like a, a motivated quarterback yesterday. Maybe that uh, that first-round draft selection from back in April is, is still, uh, you know, pushing him to, to do what he's doing right now. Yeah, I, I think I completely agree with that. I, I want to touch on some offensive stuff too, because you can kind of look at the final numbers and go, okay, well, thirty-four points is a pretty good day for the for the the Vikings offense. Adam Thielen with a couple touchdown catches, but just the the vast contrast in the way the offense looked. At first off, they sent a franchise record for the lowest time of possession in eighteen minutes and forty-four seconds, but two. Cousins in the, in the offense did absolutely nothing till late in the game, really. Cousins was 6 for 10 for 66 yards and one interception up until the 426 mark left in the in the third quarter. And then when they're down by 17, he starts playing a little bit and, and throws ends up throwing for 193 yards and two touchdowns, 13 for 15 in the final you know 18 minutes of that ballgame. But this Vikings offense was not very good. And then the turning point was the safety because that, that really changed the entire game, I thought, and, and really flipped the script. Yeah, and the interesting thing on that safety was if you listen to Jerry Alexander talk about it after the game, he wasn't even supposed to be coming after the quarterback on that play. Um, he said that he saw Adam Thielen go in motion. He thought it was going to be a run play, so he took off. And by the time he realized it wasn't a run, it was too late, so he just kept going. Dalvin Cook misses the block. Um, Alexander gets to Cousins, and all of a sudden you've got a brand-new football game. You know, you go from the emotional high of the goal line stand that the Vikings defense made to all of a sudden giving up two points, then you give the ball right back to the Packers. They kick a field goal, take the lead for good. Um, that really flipped things around, and, and by the time the Vikings regained their composure, they were down by two or three scores. That's too much to have to come back from against Aaron Rodgers when he's playing as well as he was. Yeah, and a big impact as far as the game went was the, you talked about those two plays. Packers still had a very narrow 8-7 to seven lead going to the last minute of the half. The first half, you know, a minute left of the first half, it's 8-7. to seven. Packers get, you know, they finished off their touchdown drive with about 50-some seconds left, and they had that pickup of uh, Alexander, another big play for him. He had the pick of Cousins, and they had another touchdown then with like 14 seconds left, so they had two minutes, you know, in a game span time of less than 
50 seconds there, and that was, I think, a big turning point. Yeah, you know, completely. The did do a nice job, you know, the offense. They went down, and, you know, Cousins had a couple passes. There was a penalty. So those last 14 seconds of the half, Vikings still managed to get a field goal. But it was just those two uh, touchdowns by the Packers late in the half that just really kind of flipped the momentum and gave them, you know, the Vikings, they were behind the eight ball in the second half all the way then. The Valdez-Scantling touchdown with, you know, I think 14 seconds left or he kind of put it right over the edge of Dantzler and everything. I didn't think that was on Dantzler as much. I thought that was on Anthony Harris for not being there in coverage. You kind of left your rookie on an island in his first game. Like, what what do you expect against a, a speed burner and one of the best quarterbacks ever? You know what I mean? Like, that, that felt like, you know, I had high expectations for the safety group and Harris – did not play his best yesterday and really did not help out a cornerback crew that needs some help. Yeah. Dantzler, I thought showed well for his first game in the NFL. Um, obviously nobody in the secondary played a great game yesterday, but you're right on, on that play in particular that you're talking about. Um, he had great coverage on him, but that was a, a case too, where if, if you watch it, he just, he, he slowed down just a tiny bit and turned his head at the last second. I think, you know, that was all Rodgers needed to drop the ball into that tight spot. And again, just, you know, what a heck of a throw by Rodgers. I, I sounded the last three days like I'm a Packers fan. You know, he can praise on them, but um, this is what they can do when, when that quarterback's playing at his best. They, that he's the one that makes them a dangerous team. Um, and when he does that and the other guys around him play even just okay, you know, that's, that's a 13-3 and three team that went to the NFC Championship game last year. They were a game away from the Super Bowl, and I think there were far too many people counting them out and counting Rodgers out before the season started. And granted, it's only one game. We don't know where they're going to go from here. You know, Things could change real fast, but um, that was a, a heck of a start and, and a heck of a performance to, to come in and get a road win against your biggest rival. That, that darn near counts for two wins in the standings when you do something like that. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing with the NFL, you know, you know, the first game, especially if you do well, it's, you know, it's kind of doom or gloom. You know, if you do well, it's all, you know, it's like, oh man, we're great. You know, we're going to the Super Bowl. Everything's high hopes. You lose, you play bad. All of a sudden, like, ah, oh, the season's over. You know, it, it's just one game. Jason says it kind of just comes to in the standings, but it's the first game. There's no preseason game. So, you know, before everybody goes and jumps off the uh, cliff here, let, let's just keep in mind that there's a long ways to go still. Yeah, that's the thing. I could have picked up. I could have picked up a lot of people that had jumped off the bandwagon on my way back to Rochester last night. Yeah, I could have pulled in a car. The birds aren't the only thing smashing the U.S. Bank Stadium yesterday, right? Listen, if you listen to any of the the post game radio call in shows, it was uh, it was doom and gloom is a nice way of putting it. Yeah, but you guy, like you were you were high on this team, right? Like you you liked this team, you liked what they had constructed. Did game one change any of your expectations long term about what they can do this year? It did a little bit. Like I'm not gonna go out and you know say I'm not gonna be that doom and gloom guy. Yeah, it's just one game. The, you know, the kind of the concern though is now they've lost three straight games to the Packers over the past two years. Uh, they've lost about three in a row to the Bears. So they haven't played stellar within the division the last couple of years. That's kind of a concern. Um, it, both the Packers and the Bears kind of have those defenses that kind of give the Vikings offensive trouble. They've got you know, good pressure up front. They've got big, sturdy interior guys that kind of make it tougher for the Vikings to run the ball on the inside. So in that regards, there are some concerns that I have going forward. Yeah. I think the big, my biggest concern right now, at least for, present anyways for this season is that by the time these young guys get up to speed maybe it'll be too late um you know 
excuse me, they need to come out next week, have a much better showing. If they want this season to get back on track, it's got to start right now because you don't want to go 0-2 into facing Houston and uh, Tennessee. Yeah, I feel like um, I, I'm confident in this group heading into a, a Week 2 matchup against the Colts. I mean, the Colts put up some big-time numbers offensively, over 450 yards against the Jags, but uh, they were not impressive down the stretch. And Jacksonville is probably the worst team in the NFL this year, and they were able to come back and, and stun the Colts 27-21. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not... I wasn't overly thrilled with the Colts, but they still have some bad matchups, and they have wide receivers that are really talented. Paris Campbell's was really good yesterday. T.Y. Hilton is really good. They lost Marlon Mack, but Jonathan Taylor is a, a stud running back out of Wisconsin. We saw a lot of him if you follow Big Ten football. So I, I don't know. Like it, it feels like the, the season could be on the line next week, and the Vikings have to wait to get it done. Or if they don't, you can pretty much put a fork in it at 0-2. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go you know, put a fork in it at 0-2, but I, I think – Mike Zimmer is going to get this defense figured out. You think like, oh my gosh, that's like a horrible game yesterday, which it certainly was. I think that's the third time that the Vikings have allowed allowed 500 plus yards in a game under Zimmer. So it's happened twice before, and I don't remember you know those past couple of times, you know where the Vikings were like, oh my gosh, the defense is just horrible now. They've had those blips once and on occasion, once in a while. Sure, you're going to have those. But over the course of the long haul, I think he's just going to find a way to get this defense to play, you know, at least up to, you know, close to his standards, and they're going to give the team a chance to win. You know, the Packers are a pretty good offensive team. That's been said, and you're not going to face too many quarterbacks as good or better than Aaron Rodgers. So I, I think that the Vikings defense under Zimmer is going to find a way to turn things around here in the near future. Or maybe, like Jason said, though, if, it might take two or three, four games, but I think they are going to figure it out. Yeah, no, they have to figure it out, or it's going to be done in a hurry because Houston is still really talented, and Sean Watson's really good. And then also Tennessee, you know that how talented they can be as they almost made it to the Super Bowl last year. All right, good stuff, gentlemen. We will have multiple podcasts this week breaking down the Colts game and breaking down everything in the future. But thanks so much for listening to the Post Bulletin Sports Podcast. 